When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. A pleasure to have you with us here on the GM Shuffle. That's right. Mike's going to break down what happened to his beloved Sixers. More off-the-field issues for Frank Clark. We take our look at continuing divisions. This time we focus on the NFC North, plus Tom Brady throws some shade. But first off, happy birthday to Michael Lombardi. Mike, you share a birthday with one of my close friends, Gabby Richards, June 19th. So now I'll remember it years from now. How? What were the birthday celebrations like for you? Well, you know, they're all great. I mean, when you have, uh, uh, when you have four... Uh, Great grandkids, you know, beautiful wife, two beautiful daughter-in-laws, two great sons. I mean, I mean, really, that's the greatest gift of all. But I got another gift. I got, you know, I got besides, uh, I got a pizza oven, which was great. I'm going to cook pizza so I can get fatter, and uh, you know, learn how to make dough, which would be great. That's always what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a baker growing up. I can remember telling my mother, "I think I want to be a baker." She, I thought she was going to beat me to death. But anyway. <laughs> Anyway, you know, who doesn't like making a few a few bits of dough? But then, then I, you know, and I got the pizza oven. Everything was great. I got the greatest gift of all. But we're going to have our fifth grandchild. It's going to be a girl. Oh, wow. Which is something that this family has never really experienced, a beautiful little little girl. And I can promise you, I will work my ass off to make sure she is spoiled beyond belief. Dominic's going to have to play. He's going to not get as spoiled or the other three. So, uh, you know, my, my little man, Dino and Leo, they're, they're all going to have to have to adhere to the little girl. That's awesome news, especially, you know, like I said, for the siblings and cousins. Do you have a sister? Like, I'm curious, have you ever had any experience having a, a you know, a dot? I mean, obviously just a, a female presence in the home. This is going to be different. Yeah, I have two older sisters. Of course, we have two dogs that are female. Although, you know, Bella would, would argue that I'm not sure. But Bella thinks she's in charge of everything. I'm not sure what quite Bella is. But uh, yeah, no, I've had two older sisters. Millie had two older brothers. So, you know, we've kind of had it. But but in this family, we've only had female dogs. We've never had a girl, little girl running around the house. So it's going to be fun. It'll be enjoyable. And I promise you. Uh, that's great news, She's going to get spoiled because, <laughs> because as you know, uh, I mean, girls have a tendency to to capture the moment. Yeah, there's no question about it. And listen, we know it's like fathers and sons, but the father-daughter relationship or grandfather-granddaughter is awfully special as well. Glad you had an awesome birthday. Uh, we'll get to the dismay of your life in the Sixers in a minute. But first, major news. In the- <laughs> we'll get to the news involving Carl Nassib. The Raiders defensive end came out as gay on Monday. He announced it with a video on Instagram. He is the first active NFL player to publicly come out. 
Michael Sam came out back in 2014 before he was drafted in the seventh round by the Rams. He never played a regular season in the game in the NFL. So there was a lot of hullabaloo about that, a lot of, you know, pomp and circumstance. And hey, Michael Sam's a pioneer. But when you don't actually play, it's different. In terms of Carl Nassib, this guy's a player, Mike. He started 37 to 73 games with three teams. He's played with Cleveland, the Raiders, and Vegas. He's got 20 and a half sacks, 143 tackles. Before I get your talk or your thoughts on it, here's Nassib in his own words. I just want to take a quick moment to say that I'm gay. I've been meaning to do this for a while now, but I finally feel comfortable enough to get it off my chest. Um, I really have the best life. I got the best family, friends, and job a guy could ask for. Um, I'm a pretty private person, so I hope you guys know that I'm really not doing this for attention. Um, I just think that representation and visibility are so important. Um, I actually hope that like one day, videos like this and the whole coming out process are just not necessary. Well, honestly, Mike, when I heard the news, I said, good for him. I hope there's no blowback. And so far, it's been overwhelmingly positive. His jersey quickly became the best-selling jersey in the NFL. What was your reaction? You know, I thought it was, look, it, you know, it's honest, it's authentic, and and what more can you be, you know? And, and I think that we have moved as a society into an area where we need to understand this is part of the life, and I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I think he's showed guts. I think you need to do that. And, you know, and I think the Michael Sam instance was, Michael Sam wasn't a good enough football player. And, you know, Carl Nesbeth isn't the first gay player to play in the National Football League. We all know that. But he's the first one to come out and say it. So I applaud him. And, you know, I think it's great. It doesn't have anything to do with his ability to play. It has nothing to do with his, his temperament or any of that. This is about just his personal choice. And we respect it. And I think he must have, uh, listen, teammates, I would assume, knew he's gay. I'm sure maybe he checked with them. Hey, what do you guys think? Is this good timing? I mean, your inner circle, so to speak, you deal with it. It is Pride Month. Um, I, I'm just glad that he felt comfortable enough to do it now, right? Like, I'm sure there's times he said to wrestle with this, keep it private. There's been inner pain, inner torment. I would like to think, at least within the Raiders locker room, he's going to be supportive. And I don't know, listen, on the road, you and I both know, fans are going to taunt things. There's going to be homophobic things. This is, unfortunately, the world in which we live in. But hopefully there's more positive, there's more good than bad that comes out of this. And kudos for the Raiders. Because like I said, I'm sure that they, uh, on some level, he knew that he would be supported by this organization. Yeah, I, I mean, look, it, it, grow up, right? Like we live in, a, this is the, the different world. Grow up. I mean, this is his personal choice. Let him do what he wants to do. You know, the, I can't live in his shoes. He can't live in mine. Let him grow, let him do it. He's a good football player. Focus on the football. What he does when he leaves the field, I mean, you know, the, the, some of the people that we that we idolize, if we looked into their, if we walked in their shoes for a while, we might not idolize them, you know, because we just don't know. At least he, he had authenticness. I mean, I think that's the key is he's authentic at what he's saying, and he's got enough guts to do it. What I find, I, and I've said this many times before, I think when, you, you know, when you have enough personal freedom in your beliefs, and you, then you're willing to say what you will. And I, I think that, to me, was one of the greatest things about writing a book. It, gave, it gives you personal freedom. I, I don't really, I'm not any longer arguing or debating or I feel like I got screwed or the bitterness towards your career, whatever, all that gone, gone. Because I, I feel like I have personal freedom in my own life. So I'll say what I say. I'll do what I want to do. I'm authentic in what I want to be. And, you know, 
And if people don't like it, that's their right. I understand it. And I think that Carl, it goes for, if it goes for me, why can't I accept it for Carl Nesbitt? That's well said. And like you said, ultimately, Carl Nassib is a good player. Let's hope people focus on the football. To the actual football conversations, Lamar Jackson will be one of the most coveted quarterbacks in the NFL if he were to hit the free agent market, currently negotiating extension with the Ravens, but without an agent. He's getting help from his mom. That's right. Instead of father knows best, mom knows best. He's wrapping up his rookie contract that paid him $9.5 million over four years, a fifth-year option already exercised by the Ravens that will pay him $23 million in 2022. But his mom, Felicia Jones, has served as her son's business manager since he turned pro back in 2017. She's going to help him negotiate his next contract. And here's where it gets interesting. Jackson's value, well, some are saying it's going to be over $40 million, only second behind Patrick Mahomes. First off, being a guy who's been in the front offices, GMs, et cetera, what do you think about negotiating with a player's mom? Well, I think this. Uh, you know, here's what I, the way I would handle this. Let's start at the beginning, Okay. Agents, and I know agents don't want to listen to this, but because of the salary cap, because of the salary scale, where you get drafted, you're pretty well locked in. Now, the debate that the agent helps you on is offset clauses, okay? So that's been the typical debate in the first 15, 20 picks is if I get cut, what's the offset? How's the language of the signing bonus? What's all being written? Becomes a real legal lease battle. The money, the amount of money you're going to make is predicated by where you get picked, Okay. Now, where the agents believe they really enhance a player is through their marketing, through their strategy. I mean, Tua, let's take him. I mean, give give Lee Steinberg all the props in the world for being able to convince people that Tua was A, healthy, and B, he had a legitimate NFL arm, and he did, he did all the things he had to do, right? That, that's agency. That's really, you know, that's statecraft. That's that's the great ability and hats off to Lee Steinberg for being able to do that, that he could, I don't want to say fool people, but he could, you know, what's that in the, in, in the, the usual suspects? You know, he could make it seem like it was there. It wasn't there. Yeah, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Right. Like, And that's what Lee did. Lee convinced that, that two was not injury prone. I mean, he did a great job with it, you know? And so that before the draft, I think they can help a little bit. I'm not, if you run a bad 40 time, you know, there's only so much they can do. Now, here's where it gets really hard. Here's where you need one. Here's where you need somebody to come in and say, okay, you know, you're, I'm due to make, you know, Patrick Mahomes, I've won this game. I've won, I deserve to be in this market. And you need a lawyer to be able to read the documents and make sure that everything is buttoned up and tightened down. And I think that this is the, the issue. If I were Eric DeCosta or I were the Baltimore Ravens, I would insist on having face-to-face conversations. I would insist on having somebody present in the room. Okay, I would insist on making sure that the mother had legal representation in every meeting. She can control the negotiations. She can control what she says yes. But I think there has to be a way to where the club absolves itself from saying, we took advantage of this kid and his mother. I think you got to be able to do that. And I think you, as a team executive, have to mandate that. You got to say, look, you know, Mrs. Jones, we respect you. You know, we, we're, I think you should hire an attorney, your pick. We'll, we'll pay for the attorney. You don't have to pay for it. It'll come out of our fee. We'll pay for him. He works for you. He doesn't work for us. We'll pay him. But we think you need legal representation in there. You pick him. We'll pay for it. And then let's do this contract. 
because I don't want to be accused of taking advantage of somebody who doesn't know what to do. That's good business. You know, and I think that that's what they, that's what you have to do. They're in a tough spot because, you know, they could put language in that contract that could, could make it seem like it's not going to exist. And she's probably sitting there thinking, well, you know, I mean, my, my son's as good as Patrick Mahomes. He should just, we'll just get Patrick Mahomes this contract or maybe $2 million less than Patrick Mahomes. Well, maybe you will, but if the language is wrong, you might not get that. And that's what gets concerning with so much at stake. I mean, it looks like Jackson could risk himself into a bad deal. But I think, Mike, your suggestion would be awfully honorable. Like, if they did that, that would just, it would give you such goodwill, such currency on both sides. Because the Ravens go, listen, we were honest about this. Let's make a deal for both sides. And you know this, you know, a negotiation, it's give and take, right? It's got to go back and forth. You have to feel like, hey, I wish I could have had a little more, but I'm happy with this. Like if one side is totally happy and one side is unhappy, that's not a recipe for success. Nope. And I think that these are the contracts that are not as hard to do as the fans think they are. Okay. They're really not as hard, uh, you know, because th- there's a market already established. Should Baker Mayfield make what, what, what uh, Patrick Mahomes made? No. He, he didn't, but Lamar Jackson won the MVP of the league. Now we can debate that, you know, he can't throw the ball outside the numbers. We can debate that his accuracy down the field, especially outside the numbers in the, in the deep third. To his right, he's over six yards. To his left, he's under five yards, yards per attempt. We can debate all that, right? I think to me, if I were negotiating the contract, I think it's more about Greg Roman's inability to get him under center and use play action pass to help the kid. I think the kid has enough skill to win another MVP. I think the kid has enough skill to lead the, to, to throw the ball much better. Do I think he's going to come to the line and check play A to B to C to D? No, that's not his game. His game is, look, I'll make the throws. You set up the offense. And when the play breaks down, watch out because my ass can fly. So you, you got to set it up that way. But I don't think it's a hard contract to do because is he better than Deshaun Watson? Yeah, he is. He does more. He's won more with his team. So Deshaun's at 40. So maybe he should get 42. And, you know, do you want to do four years? You want to do five years here? This is where it all gets kind of interesting. So I, I think to me, it's not a hard contract to do. It really isn't. Yeah, it's definitely um, going to be an intriguing situation. But like you said, if both sides are coming at it with the right approach, hopefully this is something that will be done relatively quickly. Let's move to the Tom Brady free agency sweepstakes, which prior to last season, some of the most talked about and scrutinized in years. Well, in a teaser released for the TV show, The Shop Uninterrupted, Brady is talking about one of the teams that pulled out late in the running during his free agency. Brady is seen saying one of the teams, they weren't interested in the very end. And I was thinking, you're sticking with that motherfucker? Throwing shade to said team for choosing their starting quarterback over him. Obviously, that choice didn't pan out too well. Brady took the Bucs to a Super Bowl victory. So let's play guess the team here. We're trying to figure out which of the teams was it interested in Brady, but then pulled out late. We hear the options. 49ers and Jimmy G. I I, I wrote this for The Athletic, and and I talked about it. And I... uh, you know, and, and I think Kyle Shanahan, from my sources, wanted to really entertain this. But the 49ers are coming off a Super Bowl. I think Brady really would have liked to play in San Francisco. However, I think Brady wanted to stay on the eastern seaboard as much as possible. I think Brady wanted to stay right where he was. I think he wasn't interested in 
He wanted to be close to New York to get to his son. He wanted to kind of be somewhere where he could get to New York City in, in the same time zone. So I don't think it was the, I don't think he would refer to Jimmy G as that motherfucker. Like, I don't think that, you know? Is there a chance? Because this is my guess. Is it the Bears and MVP, Mitch? I, I think that's more likely. I think there's no doubt that he would refer to MVP, Mitch, as that, you know, like he knows, you know, one thing about the players in the league, they're all pro personnel directors. They all know who's good and who's not. They all know who's a really good player. He knows Mitch isn't very good. I mean, he's watched them. I mean, he, you know, they, they they rolled the Bears one year, and and Mitch had a good day that game, scrambling around, making a few plays. I think the team is Miami. I think it's Miami. I think it was like I think even though everybody thought they were drafting Tua, and so God, God bless them to draft Tua. I think it was Miami on the Eastern Seaboard. They had Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now he would say, "You're sticking with that motherfucker for Fitzpatrick." Like that—that that would be a line I think he would use, right? I, I don't think it's Titans and Tannehill. I don't think it's Raiders and Derek Carr. What about maybe Rams and Jared Goff? Do you think he would say that? I, I think he could say that. I think he could. I, I could see him thinking that. You know, he beat Goff. He won a Super Bowl. You know, he would have loved to play with McVay. But I, I, if you know Brady, he wanted to be on the East. He wanted to get back at New England. Like, and what better way to get back at New England than go to Miami? You got Flores down there. You know, they had plenty of cap room. Remember, they signed all those guys last year. They had a ton of cap room. They ended up cutting most of them, but they had a ton of cap room. And, you know, you're sticking with that motherfucker? Like, you're sticking with Ryan? You, know, you don't want me? Like, like Flo, you know me. Like, you know, you know me. Nobody's really talked about Miami as the team, but I think it's Miami. I think it's the Eastern Seaboard. It wasn't Washington. I don't think he would have wanted to play for that mess down there, right? You know, I don't think it was, you know, so if you just go down the Eastern Seaboard, you know, it wasn't Jacksonville. He wasn't going to go play for Doug Marone in a losing culture, but he could have gone to Miami where he could have propelled them. You know, he had some good skill players. He would have been able to run the offense that he wanted to run. I I, I kind of, everybody thinks it's 49ers and Jimmy G, but I, I don't think that, you know, having them coming off a Super Bowl win, a Super Bowl appearance Brady would refer to Jimmy G as that motherfucker. Like, you got to be bad to get Brady to say that, right? Yeah. I think it was Miami. I like your logic. I just hope it was the Bears and MVP, Mitch. The full episode airs <laughs> <laughs> The full episode airs Friday. Are we going to find out? That's a good question. The episode airs Friday at 9.30 at HBO Max. I hope they reveal it at some point, because you're right. This is quite the tease. I mean, that's a good clip to get out there. We're talking about it here. ESPN is talking about it. Everyone's talking about it. And what I also noticed, too, Mike, is that we've seen kind of more of the real Tom Brady. Now, I don't know. You know him. It's one of two things. Either it's because he's left Belichick, and now he just doesn't give a damn, or it's later in his career, and he doesn't give a damn. Which one do you think it is? Well, I think it, I think it's he's no longer in that culture. I think one of the reasons he left was because he couldn't be who he wanted to be in the culture. He invented the culture. He's responsible for the culture, right? And then he didn't want to be in the culture anymore. He got tired of being in the same culture that he helped create. You know, speak for yourself. Don't promote stuff. You know, team first. I mean, he just got tired of it. I think at the end of the day, everybody wants to blame Belichick and him. I mean, the culture that he helped build, that he was ultimately responsible for winning, establishing, he just got tired of dealing with it. 
And now he has personal freedom. I mean, look, the guy walks into Tampa, he's got five Super Bowl rings. You, you know, fuck it. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm going to show you who I am. I like it. Hey, man. It's like we talked about with uh, Carl Nassib. Be authentic. Tom Brady is being authentic. I can't hate that. MB- NFC North, excuse me, coming up has had some serious shakeups during the offseason. The reigning MVP could be the next shoe to drop. We'll preview every team in the conference, including some gambling totals. Next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. As we continue our look here at different divisions, let's dive into the NFC North. So the Packers last season, 13-3, and they made the NFC Championship game. They lost the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their key acquisition, this is not a joke, quarterback Blake Bortles. And so the the over-under win total, Mike, it's off the board. Like, I love when you can say that in gambling parlance. It's off the board. You have to make a prediction because Aaron Rodgers, we don't know if he's the quarterback or it's Jordan Love. So... I hate to put you on the spot, but what's the over-under with Rodgers? What's the over-under without him? You talk to any bookmaker in this country, Thomas Gable at the, at the, at the Borgata, Vinny, Vinny over at, at South Point, Chrissy Andrews at South Point, you know, uh, the guys over at the Westgate. Aaron Rodgers is really the biggest change in the line of any quarterback, any quarterback in the National Football League, including Brady. He can shift the line dramatically. And because of he is probably the number one line shifter in the league right now, he could shift the win total. So, you know, with if Rodgers is playing, the win total is probably going to be 10 and a half, maybe 10. With Rodgers not playing, the win total is going to be seven and a half, maybe eight. You know, because nobody knows Justin Love. We all know Blake Bortles. We all know that disaster. We've seen that movie before. We know how that ends. You know, that's Sonny going to the toll, pl- toll plaza. We know how that ends, right? We've seen that one before. You know, and so we know Green Bay's not great on defense. We know that they struggle, you know, to to play consistent. Now, Joe Barry, the new defense coordinator, is going to change. They'll be a little bit more zone. They'll be more balanced in their fronts. They won't try to take as much risk. So, I mean, I think they'll be sounder on defense. I don't know if they'll be better on defense. Offensively, who knows what they'll be? I mean, LaFox got, you know, I mean, this is on him now. He's won 26 games the last two years with Rodgers. How many is he going to win without him? 
five, six. I'd take the under if it was if the if it's at eight, I would go under if Rodgers doesn't play. Wow. If it, if Rodgers plays, I, I then Ten. all of a sudden you know you got to look at them and say okay they beat the Bears twice they'll beat the Vikings once and they'll beat the Lions twice and so now all they got to do is play out of the schedule. Yeah, I was like over under with Rodgers. I'd put it ten and a half and I would take the over. They're a thirteen win team a year ago. I think they're like you know eleven and twelve wins now. But you're right. If Jordan loves there in a seventeen game season, like over under eight or eight and a half, basically are they a five hundred team? They're a sub five hundred team. Think about that. They made the AFC championship. They're the or excuse me NFC championship they're the number one seed and they're a below average team that's how critical this quarterback is well they were they won 13 games two years ago and their line i think last year was at nine i think they were set at nine they were down they won 13 and their over under line was nine because they thought they were going to take a step back last year god only knows what they're i mean nobody's buying nobody's buying the you know nobody's buying him let's go to the bears eight and eight a season ago they made the playoffs but lost to new orleans their key acquisition, again, this is not a joke, Andy Dalton, the quarterback. But here's the good news. You got Justin Fields coming out of Ohio State. There are a lot of expectations around Justin Fields. Over, under, at seven and a half. I mean, all the focus, Mike, is on Fields, but they do have a new defensive coordinator in Sean Desai. Allen Robinson trying to make it 3,000-yard seasons in a row. Over, under, seven and a half in the Windy City. Basically, we're saying, are they a 500 team or not? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think to me, I'm going to go under. I think this thing could fall apart in Chicago because where everybody thinks they're the strongest is on defense, and they're not. I mean, they're not. I wrote about this in The Athletic today. They're not as strong. I mean, they basically, you know, I don't think Khalil Mack played. He had nine sacks last year. I think he had 13 quarterbacks hits. Robert Quinn gave them no pass rush at all. They're hoping the scheme's going to really help them. Are they going to be good enough at corner? We shall see. But this offensive line is is really going to be comical to see how they come back. Are they good enough at running back? And then with Andy Dalton, I don't see them as, as a team that's going to win. I think if they win... It, I, they're a seven and ten team. I think that half a point, that half a game, is significant. And I would get on with the love train. We talked about it before on the pod. But I mean, you know, I, I'm not putting any faith in Matt Nagy. I mean, look, Matt Nagy's ability to call play—he's back to calling plays again. Thank God he can get that play sheet. He can—he can just be you, Matt. You know, I mean, I don't trust it. And you mentioned the corners. Desmond Trufant is one of the cornerbacks they did bring in, so they do have expectations around him. The Vikings at 7-9 and nine a season ago. Over-under win total of 9. Dalvin Cook, can he repeat? Justin Jefferson, a legit superstar wide receiver. The question is their defense, Mike. A year ago, I thought they'd win the division because of the defense. They gave up 29.7 points per game last season. That was 29th out of 32 teams. You got Patrick Peterson now the corner. You got Dalvin Thomas in the DT. Over-under at 9. I might go over here, but God, I got fooled by the defense a year ago. Yeah, me too. I, I thought, you know, Zimmer would be better, but I think they put some money in the defense. I think that da- Tomlinson has been a good acquisition for them. You know, they, they, they're able to get, they got Patrick Peterson, even though he's not a coverage corner, had too many pass interference penalties last year. He's grabbing and holding. But I think what, what Zimmer has been able to do with older corners is they play with experience. I think I think their defense will be much better. Offensively, look, you know, Darishaw, the left tackle, gives him a legitimate player. I think this is a good team. I think, you know, they get uh, Danielle Hunter back on the defensive front. You know, I, I like them to go over. I don't think they're going to have a bad season. I really don't. I think, I think, I think this is a good team, Minnesota. I'm going to go over nine. 
And the Lions lastly at 5-11 and 11 a season ago. Now they've got Jared Goff as their quarterback, Michael Brocker as defensive tackle, running back Jamal Williams, and they drafted Panay Sewell, a guy you and I both like a lot, the offensive tackle out of Oregon. He'll make a huge difference on their offensive line. Over under win total of five. You got Dan Campbell. Listen, he, he Dan Campbell won the introductory West uh, press conference. We know that. Now can they actually improve? Their defense, Mike, league worst. They gave up 519 points, the second highest total in NFL history. There's a reason why the line is five, because they feel like a 5-12 and 12 team. You're going over or under? Uh, you know, I, I'm leaning towards probably laying away. I think they win five. I think it's the perfect number. Look, they're so slow on defense. I've been saying this for three years on the pod. I mean, they're so slow. They can't cover. They can't, they play on turf. They play indoors. And they're the slowest defense. I think the one thing we will see this year is the return to what home field advantage means. I think we'll get that. And I think it'll make a difference for some of these teams. And I think the Lions could eke out five wins. They're just not talented enough on defense. And the way they want to run the ball. I mean, you know, Anthony Lynn, God bless him. He wants to run the ball. When you're behind by two touchdowns, you call and runs. And then golf has to throw drop back pass. I mean, the whole way this team's set up doesn't make sense. Like when you want to run the ball on defense and shorten the game on offense and shorten the game for the defense, you got to be really good on third down. You got to be really good. You know, now they're good in the offensive line. I'll give them that. I think they really improved there. But I, I think you got to be really good on offense. I just don't see it. If they run the ball, if Jamal Williams and their backs, you know, if they're able to run the ball, control the clock, convert third downs, and play 27 minutes of defense, they'll win six, seven games. If they can't, they won't. And listen, it's going to be tricky with the Lions because, as you said, those two words, Anthony Lynn, they don't exactly inspire confidence. Still to come, the Sixers once told us to trust the process. Now it's time for them to trust reality. And another chief is in trouble with the law. Next. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Chiefs Pro Bowl defensive and Frank Clark arrested Sunday night in Las Vegas. Is that an Uzi in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? Police allegedly found a submachine gun in his car. That's right. An Uzi sticking out of a bag in plain sight. He was arrested on suspicion of having a concealed firearm in a vehicle. He was also arrested in March along with another man when officers said they found two loaded firearms in their vehicle after a traffic stop. Arrested in 2014 on suspicion of domestic violence, which led to his removal from the team at the University of Michigan. This is clearly a guy whose parents did not tell him as a kid, don't play with guns. How do you handle this situation? Mike Clark's attorney said the gun belonged to his bodyguard. Why does he need a bodyguard? You're Frank fucking Clark. Who's going to beat you up? <laughs> Who's the muscle in this case, right? What do you need the enforcer for? You yeah, are like, the enforcer. Seriously, I mean, you're not you're not Hyman Roth. You're not a little Jewish guy walking around. You're fucking Frank Clark. Who's coming <laughs> after your ass? Seriously. I mean, I know the attorney's got to defend him, but I mean, Frank Clark has, look, Frank Clark was a second round pick. Frank Clark is an extremely talented player. He's had off the field issues going back to Michigan. 
You know, the Chiefs have done this. They've gotten away with it. You know, whether it's Tyreek Hill, whether it's Frank Clark, whether it's anyone else. I mean, you know, Kelsey, when he came out, wasn't exactly pristine. Great player. Great player. There were knocks on some of these guys. They, A lot of their best players, they've been able to offset the character issue. They but they got by it. I mean, it's one of the things Dorsey did when he was in when he was in, in in Kansas City. He didn't give a shit about character. He didn't care, you know. And he got away with it, you know. And you keep getting away with it now, you know. Gun. I mean, to me, this is this is why Seattle didn't resign him. Seattle knew these problems, so Seattle traded him away, and now they creep up. You know, the Chiefs have been able to kind of skirt it to see if they can keep doing it. It's definitely disappointing behavior from a guy who, like you said, knows better. And for Andy Reid and the Chiefs, you figure out how can we solve the situation? It's clear. Just lay down the law. In this case, this guy runs afoul of the law. You've got to be a stronger deterrent because clearly he has not accepted the fact that there are repercussions for this kind of behavior. Speaking of repercussions, you're feeling that right now for your boy, Ben Simmons. The Sixers lose game seven of the conference semifinals, 103 to 96. In the fourth quarter of the series... Ben Simmons' offense disappeared. Lowest free throw percentage in a single playoffs, by the way, in NBA history at 34.2%. This is a guy, Mike, listen, games four, five, six, and seven, zero field goal attempts. He's passing up layups. What happens with the Sixers now? Well, I mean, look, I, I said this on Twitter. I, I, I'm gonna get, I hope to get t-shirts made up about it. Trust the reality. Right, like I wrote this today for the Daily Coach, and and it, and, it, and I tried to do it in under five hundred words, and I did it. You know, in two thousand and thirteen, Sam Henke came in, and his whole idea was we're going to tear this thing down to the bare bones, and we're going to collect assets. We're going to take on we're going to take on bad contracts if you give us draft picks. We're going to do everything in our power to have high to collect talent, and, and you know the strategy. He, this is his quote, not mine. The strategy we settled on was straightforward. Even Ardios, he wrote, replenish the talent pipeline, improve the quality and quantity of the players on the roster, shift the style of play towards tomorrow's champions, and become a culture focused on innovation. Great, brilliant, love it. We got no culture. We got no culture because what Bill Walsh said, and I wrote about this in the Daily Coach, the culture precedes positive results. It doesn't get tacked on as an afterthought on your way to the victory stand. Champions behave like champions before they're champions. They have a winning standard of performance before they are winners. This is what I have been bitching about for six fucking years. I've hated it since day one. I've had to listen to all these people tell me, trust the process, trust the process. I hate it. I hate it. I love the uniform. I hate the entitlement. I hate what they did to the players, spoiling them, making sure that they do whatever they want. I mean, Hanky basically told everybody in the organization, you leave them alone. You do what they tell, do whatever they want to do. Let them do whatever they want to do. Miss a year of basketball? Sure, no problem. You know? And basically, like I tweeted about, it all comes down to what the great Frank Pantanzi, the greatest philosopher of all time. Lies, lies, lies. All lies. It's all lies. Yeah, ultimately, it is all lies. And you think back to the start of the season, Simmons rumored he could be traded for James Harden and now Philly fans like yourself. Obviously frustrated with what happened. Um, well, let's get a- you know, the, I, I think on that, AD, I believe this to be true. It's reliably reported to me that the owner of the Houston Rockets wouldn't trade Harden to the Sixers because their relationship with Maury. That's what's, that's what's been told to me. But here's what I think, you know, here's where I really think this is such a, it's amazing how stories can spin out of control and how beliefs can become reality. 
if you look at Henke's draft picks, that asset management that he was talking about, and if you read his manifesto, he talks about the great Jaleel Okafor, like he's a star player. He talks about, like, here's what I will say. It takes talent to evaluate talent. And so when you collect all these draft picks, you better be able to evaluate talent correctly because that's what Henke couldn't do. You know, we picked Michael Carter-Williams over C.J. McCollum. We picked, we traded Holiday for Nolan's Noel. We passed up Giannis. We passed up Prolingus. Now, all these draft picks that we made that end up being shit, right? Everybody wants to disconcern themselves with those. No, they're not great. I mean, they talk about Darius Saric like he's some kind of fucking star. Or Robert Covington, all defensive player of the year. Give me a break. Evaluate your players. And what made me so happy, and I got to be honest, I've never been happier. Never been happier. A, I'm going to become a Miami Heat fan for the rest of my life. I'm done with this. I'm done. I can't root for an organization that's built on on this. No, I this can't. is unbelievable. I can't, I you're, can't going, myself, you're going to Miami Heat? Are you kidding? You're out of the I'm six. I'm going to Heat. Wow. I'm all in on the Heat. I'm a Heat fan from this moment. You've heard it. I made the announcement on GM Shuffle. Oh I am God. no longer a Sixer. I am a Miami Heat fan. It's time. Wow. If I'm going to buy Dominic. I'm going to buy Leo. I'm going to buy Mikey. I'm going to buy Dina. They're all getting Miami Heat jerseys. This is a, I'm, a, I'm a Heat fan. Okay, this is unbelievable. Why, Mi- why Miami? This is unbelievable. Because they stand for everything I believe in. They stand for everything I believe in. Spol- they stand for Pat you know, Riley, work hard, Eric Spolstra, gonna- yeah, very continuity. I can see this. Yeah. Culture. It's what I believe in. Why would I root for something that I believe that I don't believe in? Embiid said after the game, I laid it all out there. Are you fucking kidding me? You turned the ball over 16 times in the last two games. That's laying it all out there? Are you kidding me? How could I root for that? How, how could I root for that? How, why would I want to root for that? You don't even know what hard work is. You actually think you're working hard. As Uncle Junior would say, some people are so far out of the race, they actually think they're in the lead. I mean, this is what we're dealing with. So uh-uh, I'm done. I, that, I am, I've never been happier. I knew they were going to lose. The The line was seven points. It slightly went down to six and a half on Sunday. Then it shot back up sharps. Everybody was betting the Sixers. I'm like, don't you watch the game? Why would you ever bet on a team that has no, no competitiveness? They have no toughness. They have no alpha dog. They don't understand mental or physical toughness. They don't care. They don't care. Why do I care more than they do? Listen, I can't top that. We're going to go mailbag, pop culture minute, but that's too good. This is going to be huge feedback. Go ahead, tweet Mike, M. Lombardi NFL. Go on Instagram, M. Lombardi NFL as well. On Instagram, at the GM Shuffle. As always, you can send us mailbag questions to the GM Shuffle at gmail.com. But this is big. Mike is, that's it. He's out on the Sixers. That is the ultimate Mike drop. I'm done. I'm out. And they're not going to pull me back in. <laughs> go Heat.